This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Salvation is a term that's commonly used in Christian churches of today. So commonly, in fact, that many have really forgotten what this word truly means. The Mormons believe in salvation through Joseph Smith. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe in salvation through Charles Says Russell. The Branhamites believe in salvation through William Branham. Now, if you ask any of these groups if they believe that their leader is God, most would deny it. If you told them that they were teaching salvation that required faith in their leader, they would strongly disagree. Yet, if you ask them if other Christians who don't follow their leader will receive the same blessings that they receive, you'll find a shocking answer. You'll hear a resounding no. You see, cult followings, they teach salvation with extra baggage. You can be saved, they teach, but you also must believe in this guy. In a room with a single door leading to salvation, they're trying to open and create an additional door that requires not only Christ, but their leader as well. And this teaching reminds me of what we read in John 10. In John 10, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say unto you that he does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus is the only way to salvation. He plainly states that there is no other door, no other way, not even an angel, a prophet, an apostle, or a disciple. There's 
one Christ, one faith, one door. Anyone who would try to get in another way, anyone who would try to create another door, any who tell you that there's this additional baggage that you must carry, Jesus calls a thief and a robber. And immediately after saying this, he makes the same statement again, repeating, confirming that he himself is the only way to salvation. He, he continues to say, So Jesus said unto them again, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find the pasture. Now, these cults may try to tell you that there is no harm. What does it matter if you carry the extra baggage? In fact, my own grandfather, the pastor of the Branham Tabernacle, he asked me when I confronted him on these things that I have found about the message. His words were, People have known about these things for years. What does it hurt you to believe it anyway? This is a question that's much larger than me. It's larger than any opinion that I can have. So I'm going to let Jesus Christ answer this one for me. Jesus says, The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, came that he may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Did William Branham lay down his life for the sheep? Or did he get killed while arguing with his wife in a car? Jesus goes on. He says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I, Jesus, am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now think about what Jesus said. Branhamites have no special claim to heaven. While the cult pastors teach that other Christians will be servants to the little bride, Jesus has a much different version of the body of Christ. There will be one flock. There will be one shepherd. There will be one shepherd that is Jesus Christ, not William Branham. Not Charles Taze Russell, not Joseph Smith, not any other man. There will be one shepherd. He says, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up for me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now think about the parallels of between what happens next and what is happening exactly today. Cult, cult churches, they teach that 
Those who are seeking truth have demons. They say that because we are pointing others to the one shepherd, instead of trying to make a new door with them to the sheepfold that's big enough to carry our extra baggage, they say that we're insane. But the same exact thing happened in Jesus' time. It says, There was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? I and the Father are one. Now, in the third world countries that are being heavily influenced by the Branham cult today, they often ask us this question. If William Branham was not the one, then who is the leader? Think of that. While Christ is asking us to let him be the leader, while he sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us, this cult has programmed the mind so much to the extent that they even require a leader. In fact, the question keeps coming in, Facebook, email, and more. Who is this new leader? How long will you keep us in suspense? Again, take a look at the similarities between the days of Jesus and today. It says, at the Feast of Dedication, as it took place at Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple, the colonnade of Solomon. And so the Jews gathered together around him and said, How long will you keep us in this suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them and said, I told you, but yet you do not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness of me. But you don't believe me because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now I want to pause here. Cult churches say the same exact thing about William Branham's recorded sermons. Now so many Bible teachings have been found that completely do not line up with the Word of God. And so many invented scriptures have been found that do not line up with the Word of God. We've even found twisted scriptures that take multiple scriptures and combine them into a totally different meaning. And yet, in these cult recordings, they call it the spoken word. They call this mess the word of God. They're listening to a voice all right. They call it the voice of God, but they're looking through muddied waters to see the word. Why not look through the clear crystal water? Why not look directly at the Word of God? Think of this. Jesus is crying out from the pages, begging people to look to Him and not any other. He is telling us to follow Him and not some false prophet. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out at the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And this was not well received. It says the Jews picked him up, picked up stones to stone him. And Jesus answered, I have shown you many good works from the Father. 
For which of them are you going to stone me? Jesus was doing good things. The Jews answered him, It is not good work that we're going to stone you for, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, that you are gods? If he called them to be gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him that the Father consecrated and sent to the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God, and if I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I am him that do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. Believe that you know and understand that the Father is in me, because I am doing these works, I am with the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Now, I am not trying to create a following. There are people from all over the world that are watching now, by the thousands, because they're curious. I am not Christ, and I'll be the first one to tell you that anything I say, anything that is not the Word of God, may be wrong. I am trying to show the truth to others, where truth can be found, and identify the many, many lies that we've been spoon-fed for all of these years. I recently had an unwelcome visitor in my house one carrying a loaded weapon. Four police officers carried her from my home, and not long after that, the loaded gun that was found that she intended to use. Another lady helping us with a private forum. She has a forum established to help people from this cult that are sexually abused, that are physically ab abused, emotionally, spiritually. All of them and she recently had the same type of attack. All four of her brake pads on her vehicle were ground down to the extent that if she had been driving on the interstate, the brake pads would have been thrown from the car and she would have died. This is not a game. This is not a joke. This is very serious. Why do they do this? Because we are pointing people to Christ is that a good reason to kill us? Do Christians do these things? Why do cults breed killers? Is this the door that's leading to Christ? Think of what Jesus says next. Think of what the Bible says. He went away again to cross the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him. They said, John did no sign. I'm going to repeat those words. This is in your Bibles, and you can read it too. John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man was true. Talking about Jesus, and many believed him there. John had no signs and wonders. Think of that. The Bible plainly states John had no signs. John did not have a great healing ministry that people would focus on the healing. John did not have a great ministry of speaking in tongues so that people would be focusing on the speaking in tongues. John pointed to one thing. John pointed to Jesus Christ. He only leaned one direction. He leaned towards the Word of God. As Christians, we should ask ourselves, 
What direction do we lean? Why do we carry this extra baggage? When we know in our hearts that it's full of lies and contradictions. Ask anyone, ask the pastors, and they'll tell you these things contradict each other. Why do we look for a sign of healing? When the Bible says that an evil and adulterous generations look for a sign, why do we fear people killing us? For pointing others to Christ. I'll let you decide.